Welcome to the What the Bleep Happened This Week podcast, where we run down weekly stories and discuss how they may or may not affect you. Here's a review of what happened this past week. It's the week of October 23rd, 2022. On this week's episode, Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, has lost 60% of its share value since one year ago. Now, a hedge fund out of Boston is airing its grievances publicly. But does it really matter what they think? Twitter is no longer a publicly traded company. On Thursday evening, Elon Musk completed his acquisition of Twitter, causing a number of executives to leave the company headquarters, never to return, and beginning a period of wondering what the bleep he's going to do with the company. The disenchantment from Meta shareholders is bubbling out into the open. But first, a little history, much of which is common knowledge. Facebook Now Meta was formed back in 2004 by Mark Zuckerberg as a competitor to other social media companies. Similar to other online enterprises, its business model evolved into monetization of users, specifically through advertising sales. In 2021, 97.5% of the revenue the company generated was from ad sales. Facebook revenue for 2021? $117.9 billion, which was an increase of 37% from a year before. Of that, a net income of just over $39 billion. Then, in October 2021, Facebook Inc. was rebranded Meta Platforms Inc., highlighting the company's newfound focus on the metaverse, a social virtual reality world. Over the past two years, Meta has spent $15 billion in its Reality Labs project, which is building Meta's virtual reality world called Horizon Worlds. So far... Horizon World has yet to contribute to revenue for Meta. This week, Altimeter Capital chairperson and CEO Brad Gerstner sent an open letter to Meta and Mark Zuckerberg outlining a high-level plan for the company to get its, quote, mojo back. Then, on Tuesday, Meta announced quarterly earnings, missing expectations, causing the stock to drop more than 20%. As of August 2022, Altimeter Capital, a hedge fund based out of Boston, Massachusetts, owned around 2.4 million shares of Meta stock, worth at the time just under 400 million. Since then, Meta shares have dropped more than 25% and are down around 60% from a year ago. As an investor, Altimeter suggested Meta reduce headcount expenses by 20% and restrict investment in the metaverse, including virtual reality technologies, to 5 billion a year. By posting an open letter, Altimeter is voicing its lack of confidence in the company and Mark Zuckerberg, focusing on virtual reality. Additionally, they argue that the company should reduce its headcount to levels more in line with last year, saying that the company cannot afford the additional headcount with the increasing costs of capital and rising interest rates. Interestingly, Altimeter Capital ended their open letter by saying, quote, We don't have any demands. We simply wanted to further engage and continue sharing our thoughts as an interested shareholder. We believe in this team. Obviously, if someone holds Meta stock, they bought it with the expectation that the shares will increase in value and that the company will spend money in a way that has the potential to increase further revenue. Therefore, from a shareholder's perspective, it's understandable that Altimeter would want to voice its displeasure with Meta's share performance over the past year. However, how its open letter or shareholder concern over share price might affect the company is a bit more murky of a question. Here's how this may or may not affect you. Generally, with publicly traded companies, if you own common shares of stock, you get a vote in how the company is run. 
You can vote for or against shareholder proposals, members of the board of directors, or raise your own proxy contests if you hold enough shares or have a group of shareholders who agree with you. You can also, like Altimeter Capital, voice your opinions of the company in order to make changes. In most instances, if you can garner a majority of shares to vote the same way, your proposal will pass. However, with Meta, what Mark Zuckerberg says will go, even if he doesn't align with the majority of the other shareholders. This is because Meta, like many other companies, have multiple outstanding classes of common stock. We'll talk about stock in a future episode of What the Bleep Doesn't Mean, but for now, here's a brief overview. Public companies generally have two types of stock, preferred and common. In return for certain financial benefits, preferred shares don't have voting power while common shares do. A number of companies have multiple types of common shares. Meta is one of them. For each share of Class A common stock, a shareholder gets one vote. Meta also includes Class B shares. Unlike Class A shares, each share of Class B gives the holder 10 votes, which makes them quite powerful when it comes to guiding the path of the company from a shareholder perspective. Now, here's where things get interesting. There are about 2.7 billion outstanding Class A shares, with voting power of around 2.7 billion votes. Mark Zuckerberg personally owns approximately 360 million Class B shares, with voting power of 3.6 billion votes plus, through a number of agreements with other Class B shareholders. In all, Mark controls about 58% of the votes of Meta shareholders, either directly or indirectly. Therefore, even if every other single shareholder voted one way, Mark could vote the opposite way and still win a proxy fight. So, whether this news or shareholder sentiment in general has any effect on your life is really up to Mark Zuckerberg. If he feels a conversation is warranted with the team at Altimeter Capital, he can have that. If he decides to ignore them, there's not much they or anyone else can do. If you aren't a meta shareholder, or you invest passively through mutual funds or other ETFs, but do use Facebook or Horizon Worlds, this news likely won't affect you at all outside of seeing continued enhancements to the virtual world that Meta is building. Signs point to a continued investment in Metaverse by Meta, so it's unlikely that the open letter for Altimeter, or really anyone else, will slow that down. After months of back and forth, false starts, flip-flopping, and just general bad-mouthing, Elon Musk has completed his takeover of Twitter on Thursday evening. Back in April, Musk had announced he owned 9% of the short-form communication company's outstanding shares, initially indicating that he was not planning on taking an activist role. In response, and likely to protect the company, Twitter invited him to join the company's board of directors. Elon didn't end up joining the board and made a $44 billion offer to buy the company, offering seller-friendly terms, giving himself very little room to get out of the deal, which he attempted to do, first relying on an argument that Twitter was miscounting spam accounts, then on a whistleblower complaint, causing Twitter to sue to force the completion of the acquisition. Neither of these arguments worked, and a few weeks ago, Musk asked a Delaware court assigned to the case to freeze legal proceedings. The judge agreed, under the agreement that Musk had until October 28th to complete the transaction, which he did. Almost right after the completion of the transaction, Twitter's CEO, CFO, and policy head were reported to have been fired from the company. However, they are not expected to leave empty-handed, receiving a combined more than $100 million in severance. 
Unconfirmed reports have also come out indicating that Musk plans to cut Twitter headcount by as much as 75%. How the Twitter acquisition might affect you really depends on your individual situation. If you own Twitter stock prior to the acquisition's closing, you likely made some money. That is, unless you bought shares back in January 2014 or in 2021, in which case you were unlucky enough to buy at the top of the market. For most of its publicly traded life, Twitter shares traded below the purchase price. That being said, Twitter's total returns over its nine-year publicly traded life were just under 29%. Over that same time period, Facebook had around a 29% return as well. Snap, the maker of Snapchat, which went public three years later, returned a negative 64%. And Pinterest, which went public in April of 2019, had a negative 10% return. If you didn't directly own Twitter shares, but rather owned through a mutual fund or ETF, you probably won't see too much of a change in your finances. However, moving on from the financial implications of Musk's Twitter purchase, it's less clear how the acquisition will affect you. For starters, if you're an employee at Twitter, whether or not you will continue to remain an employee is a bit of a gray area. It is, however, worth noting that this isn't a unique situation for Twitter, but rather of being an employee at a company that is getting acquired. Although the difference is, Elon Musk is a sole owner and not one company purchasing another. Furthermore, his actions have historically been hard to forecast, which makes guessing his choices on employment hard to determine. This obviously isn't great for employee morale. The third area where the Twitter acquisition may affect you is under its content moderation policy. While publicly traded, Twitter has content policies that led to permanent bans for some users if they posted certain types of content. Musk has indicated that he isn't inclined to continue this practice of permanent bans, leaning more towards free speech. And he's likely to continue to have this line of thinking as Twitter, like many social media companies, have enjoyed indemnification under Section 230 of the U.S. Code. The U.S. Code is a consolidation and codification by subject matter of general and permanent laws of the United States. The U.S. Code itself covers a variety of topics ranging from the President and Congress to commerce and trade, hospitals, the IRS, railroads, and even intoxicating liquors. Since there's a wide variety of laws covered within the U.S. Code, you need to drill down a bit to find the one that's relevant to this. It's specifically found within U.S. Code, Title 47, Chapter 5, Subchapter 2, Part 1, Section 230. Section 230 covers protection for blocking and screening of offensive materials. Within C1 under 230, under Treatment of Publisher or Speaker, it says, quote, No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Basically, what this is saying is that companies that host content cannot be treated as a speaker of the content. This defense has been used consistently to indemnify tech companies when their users post things that could open the company up to legal issues. By relying on Section 230 to allow for freedom of speech on Twitter, Musk could hypothetically allow most non-illegal commentary on Twitter, creating the digital town square he's alluded to. It likely means that, as a Twitter user, your posts won't be moderated as heavenly. However, it also means that the posts you may find offensive but are not overtly illegal could also appear on Twitter. With that being said, 
Elon Musk recently stated that he doesn't want Twitter to become a free-for-all hellscape. In regards to content being posted on the now privately held Twitter, only time will tell how loose its new owner will be for content controls. And that's all for the week of October 23rd, 2022. We hope you join us again next week for another episode of What the Bleep Happened This Week.